Well, good morning, Identity Church. I hope you've had a great week. I know that we have. Uh, it's been a really awesome week for us. You know, uh, we've <laughs> we've been doing. You know, we've been talking about. Uh, you know, me and Heather had had a lot of discussions about my spirit, soul, and body. Her spirit, soul, and body. We talked about our visions because we had talked about that over the last few weeks. That our vision for 2022 is going to be family. A lot of it's going to be family. I mean, we've got a wedding coming up. We've got all these other things that are happening. And, you know, and I love this message about where's your bubble and the spirit, soul, and body. It is what changed my life. But this vision that we have for for this year means that I've got to put my focus more on Jesus and I've got to put it more on the God that lives on the inside of me than I have to do with all the stuff that's out here. All of my circumstances. Because there's lots of circumstances. I mean, you go to the store and you're going to run into circumstances. I mean, go try to buy chicken right now. I mean, how many people's tried to buy meat right now in the store? Inflation's so high and you can't even get it. It's amazing. I mean, you almost have to take out a loan in order to be able to have dinner. So, I mean, that's how we have to do as Christians is we have to sit back and say, I'm not worried about those things. God's going to supply my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you know, every single time in my life that anything like this has happened, he has. He's completely and totally given me everything that I need in order to be able to to handle the things that the world's throwing at me. Excuse me. (coughs) Woo. I'm going to have to get me a drink of water. Heat kicked in. Oh, thank you guys. But I I wanted to kind of recap just for a minute what we talked about last week. Because this may have been some new things to you guys. How many, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but it would help me. How many people have actually had the teaching or understanding about your spirit, soul, and body? There's a couple people who have. But see, these are things that a lot of times we malign over. and We just think, we're just waiting for Jesus. We're waiting for, for the great by and by. Well, you know what? Jesus came to do something in the great now and now on the inside of us. He created in us a new spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, this is going to be the basis of where we're at. And there's other places in the Bible where it talks about our whole spirit, soul, and body. But we, have gone, we are sanctified holy, is what 1 Thessalonians says in 5.23, that the God of peace sanctify you holy, and I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means that you have it now. Has Jesus Christ come back? No, he has not come back. There are people who, who are out there that want to tell you that Jesus has come back. He's not come back. There are people out there that's going to tell you Jesus is never going to come back. There's people that's going to say, I don't even believe in Jesus. But see, what I want you to understand is that for those who believe, for those who have taken this Jesus that has died for our sins, he has created in us a new heart. He's created in us a new spirit. 
And see, it's, we, once we are recreated in this new spirit, when you accept Jesus Christ, now you have a connected entity to God. See, that's what we talked about last week was that Adam and Eve, the moment that they stopped believing in God and what he, they stopped believing in what he said, that's when they separated from God. So man's spirit was there. Adam and Eve, they were, they had a spirit. They had a soul and they had a body. But you know what? The problem was is that they no longer were connected to God. They no longer had a connection to God. You know, I, I teach this spirit, soul, and body a little bit different than a lot of people. In fact, by the way, another thing that you can't get is bubble levels. Okay? I ordered a bunch of them for people who don't have them. And they said they're going to come in this next week because they were supposed to come in this past week, but they didn't. But I carry around this bubble level, and this reminds me every time I pick up my keys that I have a spirit of God. This chained side right here, it chains me. It makes me holy and connected to God. It makes me the righteousness of Christ Jesus. I no longer am a disconnected, embodied person from God. I'm a part of the body of Christ. See, once we understand this, all the things that Jesus talked about, the body of Christ, and being connected to the body of Christ, they start making sense. You start going, well, how am I a foot or am I a nose? Am I an eye? No. <laughs> See, what you have to understand is the body of Christ is exactly, exactly the same way God is. He's a spirit. God is not a big bearded man somewhere in the middle of the universe. We established that last week that we are a spirit, soul, and body. We're a three-part being. We were created in the image of God, which is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, that, that kind of makes your, your, makes your physical mind kind of like tilt, Right? Because everybody wants to think of God as this being that God walked around. I am God. Well, you know, the thing is, is that God doesn't walk around because he is everything. Oh, man, it got really silent in here. Do you know that God can't walk around because he doesn't have feet? The very God of the universe is what is keeping this thing from coming apart. See, what I want you to understand is that God is everything, everywhere, for everyone. The sinner is being held together because of the Spirit of God that is keeping everything in order. And see, that's what I want you to understand is that God was everywhere all the time. He didn't need to come down here and walk around with us. He's here right this minute. He's sitting in the seat with you because he's keeping that chair together. You better hope God is keeping the chair together because if you don't, you're going to be on the ground. But see, that's what I want you to understand is that God is a spirit and he created us in spirit as well. We have the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us. 
And see, we have to understand that God the Father is connected to us, spirit, soul, and body. Can we have a physical connection with God? Absolutely. He's holding you together. Can we have an emotional connection to God? Absolutely. He's holding your emotions together. Can I also make my emotions go over here to the physical side? Absolutely. I can see all the things that are going on and I can get flipped out about it. See, but that's what I'm trying to make you understand is that when God the Father recreated us in spirit and in truth, he said, I am going to connect you back to the Father so that if you will elevate your mind, your will, and your emotions towards me, then I can keep you from the world. See, that's what I want you to understand here is that your five senses... What I see here, taste, smell, feel, my feelings too. You know, when all those things are connected and you're looking at all the things that are going wrong in your life, you see them, you hear them, you feel them. Guess what? If you're putting your mind, your will, and your emotions on that, that is going to become more real than God is in your life. Does that negate God? No. You know, you can have two people. We could have Dusty standing here, and I could bring Charlie up here. And Dusty could be just, whew, man, the world's really beating me, Charlie. Oh, man, it's bad. All I get is the same old stuff. It's just, it's, it's got me down. And Charlie goes, well, God's so good. Let me just tell you about how good God is all the time. Well, was God good to him and not good to me? The answer is no. I want, I want some of this. No. No. God, God is good to everybody all the time. But see, what we have to understand is that my perception of who God is in my life changes based upon where I put my mind, my will, and my emotions. And my mind, will, and emotions may be on, well, it's bad at work. It's bad at home. I can't keep my family together. I can't do this. I can't do that. It always seems like the moment that I get above water, somebody just pushes me back down. And Charlie's over here going, hey, I may be underwater and I don't even know it because I am so focused on Jesus Christ and who he is inside of me that I don't even see that the water's over my head. He could be 4,000 feet under and I'm only a half inch under. But you know what? What he perceives through his mind, his will, and his emotions, is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Do you know that the church, Paul himself was running around, people were trying to kill him. And Paul's over there going, I've had good and I've had bad. I've had this and I've had that. And Paul never once like wrote a letter and said, let me just tell you how bad it's getting. No. That's not the way Paul did. He had people trying to kill him every single place he went. How many people have people trying to kill you every single place you go? Now, I got news for you. The stuff that we're eating and the things that are going on, there's people trying to kill us, I think. But, but let me just tell you like this. Paul saw Jesus. Paul didn't see a guy with a sword. Paul didn't see people with rocks throwing it at him. You know, Paul even said, hey, I was in the spirit. This man was in the spirit one time. 
Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. He didn't even care. He goes, I saw Jesus. He'd just been stoned to death. Left his body. He was like, hey, this is good stuff. I no longer have to be stoned anymore. You know what Jesus said? He goes, go back. You got to go tell him some more stuff. Do you know that that's what we have to understand is that our mind, our will, and our emotions, and our body follows either what's in the world or it follows what's in Jesus. And if you can't see Jesus, that means you've elevated the world too much. Ah, this is bad. All of my five senses are are elevating my mind, will, and emotions to everything. But see, the thing is, is that just like I said about me and Charlie, Charlie may be over here going, I don't even feel it. It's bad out there and I don't even know it. That's how good God is when we put our mind, our will, and our emotions in this thing. So I want to talk to you about two different things today. I want to talk to you about that we are vacuum-packed. We, we kind of touched on it a little bit last week, but I want to go into more detail. And then I want to show you what walking in the Spirit is like and what walking in the flesh is like and how it pertains to our spirit, soul, and body. So we are vacuum-packed. That means we're, when we're born again, God makes our spirit perfect. I'm going to say it like this. Heather used to flip out. Now she doesn't because she understands who she is in Christ Jesus more and more. But I used to say, hey, I'm one-third God on the inside of me. How many people when I said that went, sacrilege? Do you know that there are people out there that goes, well, there's nothing good in me. Well, if there's nothing good in you, get saved right now. Come on up here because we need to pray over you because if you don't have the goodness of God on the inside of you, then you're not saved. Jesus himself came to recreate your spirit on the inside of you. If he didn't do that, then you're not born again. There had to be a change. See, being saved doesn't mean that I just believe in Jesus and I'm trying to do the best that I can for the next however many years that I live. And hopefully when I stand before St. Peter, he looks through the book and he goes, Nope, you're not getting in. You know, that's what most people believe. Most people believe that they're on this teetering point, that God's up there and, and he's about to write your name. Oh, you did one more sin, so I'm going to start blotting out your name. But see, that's not the way this thing works. Oh, I'm not going to get into that because it's a good teaching, but I, I just I don't have enough time. So we're going we're, maybe in the future we'll talk about that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but... It is blotted out at the final day of judgment. It's blotted out when you don't accept Jesus Christ and you finally cross that threshold. God's not up there writing your name in a book. Oh, I so want to teach that now, but I can't do that. Oh, my gosh. So what am I teaching? Okay, this is... <clears throat> we've been vacuum-packed. Okay, I was about to go in a completely different direction. I'm going to be honest with you. So it says... Here in 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22, that we are sealed. It says here that, in fact, there's three scriptures. There's actually five of them. Jesus himself actually says that you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. But I didn't have enough room to put all this on here. So we're only going to tackle these three. 
So the first one we're going to do here is we're going to do 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22, and, and we're going to start in 21. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God, who, is, who has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our heart as a guarantee. So I want you to understand something. Your heart is your belief system. It is your innermost core. Okay? It is the, it is the core. It's the cardia. When you go and look up these, these words like heart, it's where we get like cardiac, you know, like cardiac. It's, it's a word for heart. But it actually in the Greek means the innermost core of a thing. Like if there was a block. You know, it's, it's like uh, people look at these big, you know, granite statues that are out there. Well, have you ever heard somebody who said, you know, I can't believe that that big block of granite actually produced, you know, David. Or downtown, we have a, a, a granite statue of Electra, which is, which is like, I guess, the goddess of like heat and fire. And I don't know. But it's a, it's a nice statue. But it started from a very white, ivory-colored piece of granite out of Italy. And people just want to go, oh, look at how great that was. That that was in the midst of all of that. Well, yes, at the core of everything, once you chip off this outer, you know, Dusty's got some pounds on him, right? But on the inside of me, Dusty's not a fat guy. In the spirit, Dusty's, Dusty looks pretty good for a spiritual kind of person. See, because Dusty doesn't have feet or a stomach or a mouth to eat with. Because in the spirit, I am the same as God. And see, my spirit is in spirit in truth. So the innermost core part of me has been sealed to where I no longer have to worry about whether or not I lose my salvation. See, I want you to understand that your salvation has to do with your core belief system. I know plenty of people. In fact, there was a guy at VCF. Y'all may have known him or not. He was kind of a crazy dude. But anyway, he, he came in back when we were at the old building over on Old Jasper Highway uh, for Victor Christian Fellowship. And he had all these questions. And you would ask him, have you accepted Jesus? And he would go, I just don't know if I can believe. But I believe there was a Jesus and I believe in the Bible. And I go, you believe there was a Jesus and you believe in the Bible, but you've not accepted. Well, I just, I just don't know. And he would show up to church and he would do all this stuff. And it was, I mean, he came up with some very strange questions. Let's just say this. I found that more people who are trying to stay away from Jesus... They come up with things like, why did, why did such and such require foreskins for a wedding gift? That was one of the things that he came in and asked about. And I was like, why didn't you ask about Jesus and about him crucified? Because that's what matters. All this other stuff in the Old Testament at the very end of it doesn't matter. And I'm going to be honest with you. We told him. It was like, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, Saul asked David for that kind of stuff is because let me, you know, all the guys in here, 
if, if you were a Philistine, how many of y'all would fight really hard to not have your foreskin taken from you? I'm just going to tell you. That was the first thing that came to my mind when this guy asked this question of us. Is these guys were going to fight really hard. It was King Saul's way of saying, well, even if he doesn't die, he's not going to meet my requirement. Now, I know that sounds like I'm getting off of off topic. And the reason is, is because it's an off topic subject. That has nothing to do with your salvation. It has nothing to do with anything in the Bible other than it happened. And this guy would walk around and go, I just want to know more about these things because I've got all these questions. Well, you know what? He never got saved. The inside of him never changed. The Spirit of God was not on the inside of this guy. And I pray and hope that he got saved. I hope that his questions came to an end. And he said, I don't really care what was written in the Old Testament as long as Jesus Christ himself and crucified saves me and changes me on the inside to where just like 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that I've become a new creature in Christ Jesus. See, that's what we have to understand is that we have been sealed for those who have believed that our heart has a guarantee on it you ever had a guarantee of something? I've had plenty of guarantees. I've went and bought a Kia and you got like 10 years bumper to bumper and you go and do all this stuff. And you know what? The guarantee is, is that we had one of them that had an electrical problem. And I got the, the bill that said zero, but before they subtracted it because I had the guarantee, it was $6,000 in cost. Okay. That was a pretty good guarantee. See, Jesus' guarantee says that I have sealed you until the day of Jesus Christ comes back. See, that's what this scripture is saying to us. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says, In him you also trusted. That means, hey, I heard and I had faith. I believed. After you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also you have believed You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh Uh-oh, we have a promise. And he's called the Holy Spirit. And he is the chain that connects the Jesus on the inside of us to God. He is the the thing that's all over the earth. And he's working ever so present in each and every one of our lives. See, what I want you to understand is, is that when we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise... Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? I'm going to tell you what. It'd be really good if Jack Cornelius in the back said, Hey, I got so much money, I'm just going to give you some now before before I even pass away. See, that's the kind of guarantee that Jesus said. He goes, Hey, I did this thing, and I'm giving you an inheritance now, and I'm also giving you one in heaven. See, that's what our Holy Spirit of promise is, is that he's ever present working for us right now. And it says our inheritance unto the day of redemption of the purchased uh, possession to the praise of his glory. Ephesians 4, 29, 30, it says, let no corrupt words proceed out of your mouth. 
but what is good and necessary for edification that it might impart grace to the hearers. I want you to understand corrupt words here doesn't mean that you said, you son of a biscuit eater. Okay, that was a joke. Y'all can laugh a little bit, okay? I know, I may be, there's a part of me that the Holy Spirit just said, they're still trying to take in what you just said, okay? So how many people need me to slow down some? Because what I want you to understand is that this is important. This is probably one of the most important things if you don't understand who your promise is and you don't understand who you are in Christ Jesus fully, then you're constantly trying your best. You're you're striving for Jesus. You know, Jesus took away the striving. You no longer have to strive for Jesus Christ. He came in and when you believed Him, He completely and totally renovated you on the inside. He made you the kingdom of God. Luke 17 actually says that when they ask, when is the kingdom of God coming? Jesus said, the kingdom of God is not without. It's within. It's not for observation. It's something you live. And see, what I want you to understand here is that these corrupt words that come out of our mouth, here's what they mean. It means that if you said something that didn't impart grace to the hearer, that is a corrupt word. Anything that did not impart grace to the hearer, do you know what grace is? Like, like most people go, well, you know, God's grace. God's grace. What is, you know, it's God's grace. God's grace. God's grace. God, hey, how about faith? Whew. I mean, I hear all these words. They're very churchy, and we, we go around. We, we talk about them all the time. People say, hey, I want to impart grace to you. But most of the time, people are talking about mercy. Okay? I want to impart mercy unto you. See, grace is a different thing. See, mercy says that you can do me wrong or that I don't like you and I'm still going to be with you, do something for you and have affiliation with you. See, grace is I give you a gift that I can't take back. See, the grace of God in Christ Jesus was that he gave this gift of Jesus completely and freely. He gave the power of the Holy Spirit to you as a promise Freely, and he doesn't remove it. Well, what if I did something bad yesterday? What if I put my mind, my will, and my emotions into my, into my flesh? My flesh is saying, oh, it's bad. And I went and did something bad. Does the Holy Spirit go, I can't be near him? Do you know that everything on this planet, the Holy Spirit created? The Holy Spirit is everywhere all the time. So if, if there is a, a drug addict, if there's a, a prostitute, if there's a whatever it is out there that you consider it to be the, the worst sin, the Holy Spirit is still there. Because we just established a few minutes ago that if God wasn't holding the chair up, you know, I, I sometimes get too overly involved in science because... I have an engineering degree. I used to, I've taken college courses in, in physics. And you know what? 
there's all these like Higgs boson, um, you know, particles that are out there. And we've, we've created these, uh, the Hadron Collider and all this stuff to be able to measure stuff. But when you get to quantum mechanics, which is beyond what they can see, like they can see that there's an atom, right? But there's something holding the atom together. And what they do is they go, we don't know what's beyond that atom. Do you know that God is holding every atom together? That God is holding every single thing together. The Holy Spirit is everywhere, ever present, all the time for everyone sitting there waiting, holding things together. He's trying right now. See, I got a couple of looks. I was like, what? No. He's everywhere all the time. If you think that you do something bad and, oh, I'm going to keep it away from God, he's there. He's with everyone, everywhere, every moment because the Holy Spirit is there. If he was to leave the sinner, they would just go in. It would be like Thanos. How many people have seen the, how many people have seen the, um, you know, end game for uh, the Avengers? No one. Okay. <laughs> Mom has in the back. That's great. I've got one person. But Thanos, this guy, and by the way, Thanos is the word. It's actually in the Bible a bunch because it's a Latin word that means death and destruction. So the Marvels and all these other people came up with this idealisms and then what they did was they just went back to Greek and to the into you know all these different cultures and said we'll just give them the real name we'll just go look up what death and destruction means and that's Thanos so we'll call him Thanos but what I want you to understand is he snapped his fingers with all these stones and if you've not seen it, it makes no sense so I'm going to quit using it as an analogy now but Everybody came apart, like turned into dust. Do you know that that's what the Holy Spirit is doing, is that if he didn't seal you and hold you together, you'd just come apart right now. See, the Holy Spirit's everywhere, ever-present. He's waiting even for the sinner so that he can go and change their heart, so that he can go and change their mind. So it says here in verse 30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And some people think, well, if I do something wrong, I've grieved the Holy Spirit. No. Remember what it said in verse 29? See, we've moved past 29. Everybody wants to not go back to 29. But what grieves the Holy Spirit is when we don't impart grace to the hearer. The Holy Spirit's like, really, dude? Really? You're, you've been given grace. You need to impart grace. You need to give this same gift that God himself is going to do for you what he has done for me. See, that's what grace is to the giver. You know, some people may take a look at my life and go, oh, well, you've lived a great life. You've never had any problems. You never had anything. And I go... Well, praise God, that's the same life that you can have. Amen. 
Do you know that that is what grace is to the giver? Is that we impart that Jesus himself can live on the inside of you. That he himself crucified. That he can remake you and that you can become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Oh, I may not like some folks, but I still need to give them. I need to love them. I need to give them the grace that they need to hear. And it says, it says here, it says, Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for from the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, uh, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgive one another, even as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. See, what I want you to understand is that now we're getting over into the main point. Is that you have a spirit and you have a body. And whatever you put your mind, will, and emotions on, that's what you're going to get. And real quickly, we can either walk in the flesh or we can walk in the spirit. Now, most people have probably read these scriptures and said, hey, I'm going to walk, you know, Galatians 5, 16 through 25. Everybody's read them and they said, oh, well, I know I know, I shouldn't walk in the flesh and I, I should walk in the spirit. But see, this is what you have to understand is that your spirit and your body both have points of entry. There are points that connect us either to the world or to God. And we have to understand those things. Galatians 5, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a, a sort of a visualization of this here in just a second. You'll be able to tie it all together. But Galatians 5, 16 says, and, th- and I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. It means they're on the opposite sides means that they're polar opposites from each other. What does that sound like to y'all? Huh? If I can find my, my bubble level somewhere down in here. I've got one side that I can elevate or the other side I can elevate. And it says, but if you were led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. So what we have to understand is, is that the law was a box to keep us, to keep us contained. But when I'm in the Spirit, you know, Jesus broke the law sometimes and was completely and totally okay. And you may go, well, what law did he break? He broke the Pharisee law. There was laws of Israel that were out there. Not the Mosaic law, not the Levitical law, but like he didn't wash his hands like we talked about the other day where he poured water on his hands three times and did all this other stuff. Him and his disciples walked around, got muddy and dirty and everything, and they would wash their hands one time and they would eat. That, went, that flew in the face of the laws that was, that was created by the Pharisees. And Jesus would say, I don't abide by those laws because I'm in the Spirit. See, this is what we have to understand is that the law is there to contain us, but the Spirit of God is there to free us and to put us into a place to where we can live our life without having to go, did I just break the law? You know, every time I see a cop and I'm driving down the road, I may be doing 30 miles an hour in a 50, but I still look at my speedometer and I go, am I going too fast? I just saw a police officer. 
You know, my wife still does this to me. I'll be driving, I'm doing the speed limit. All of a sudden she goes, slow down, there's a police officer. I guess because she just knows me that I'm going to speed. But that's what I'm trying to get to you is the fact that there are laws that have been governing us so long that we, even in our flesh, are sitting there going, did I just sin? Did I just walk away from God? Let's see if I'm in the Spirit. Then I don't have to worry about all that. Because I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I know I'm a new creature. I know that I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And it says here, it says right here, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry. I'm stopping right here on idolatry for a second. Idolatry is nothing more than a false sense of who God is. There's people all over the world that are looking for God and they have a wrong thinking about it. I'll tell you this. I've met people that they say, well, I don't believe in your God. And I go, okay, what is, who is God to you? Well, God's a mean man. Go look at the Old Testament. Look at all the stuff that he did to people. And I go, I don't believe in him either. Because that's not who God is. I know who God is and I go back and I read to them who we are in Christ Jesus. But see, idolatry is nothing more than basically saying, I don't believe in the character of God. Now, some people believe in other gods. That's idolatry too. But I've also met a lot of Christians that had a wrong thinking about who God is. And they carry around idols. I'm not going to get into any of the forms of people, but we kind of talked about some of them this morning with some folks that are in the congregation. But there are people who they believe you can't sell your house until you take Joseph and you wrap him up in a piece of paper and parchment paper and you write the name on it. I mean, there's people who have all kinds of ideas about who God is. Which saints do I pray to? That God created hierarchies of sin. We talked about that a little bit before. But what I want you to understand is, is that God is love. And if you don't believe that God is love, then you are an idolater. Sorry, that's what it says here. See, that's what you have to understand is that anytime you believe that God is something that he is not, you're dabbling in idolatry. Sorcery. This is, if you go and read the Greek words, and I, I really hope you do, go and find a concordance. Go read some of these because I was shocked when I did this uh, study a while back. Sorcery, it takes the place of God's provision. A lot of people think it's Harry Potter. Harry Potter, you know, Shazam or whatever it is. And that, that that's, that's sorcery and witchcraft. No, you can have sorcery and witchcraft where you're like, God is not good enough. He has not provided enough in Jesus. That is sorcery. I'm trying to find something else that I have to do in order to be good enough. You know what? You can build all the burn hospitals you want, but if you don't have Jesus on the inside of you, and if you're doing something, do you know how you're... And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask everybody from now on, if any time you go to write a check or you go to do something and the first thing you're doing is you're like, I hope this makes God happy. 
or I hope that this, I hope this makes me right in right standing with God. You know, we did a sock drive. If you went and bought 100 socks and you threw it in the bucket and you were saying, hey, I, I want to give this because I want to make God happy, then guess what? You don't know who he is, number one. And you also are dabbling in sorcery because you're trying to create an opportunity beyond his love and his goodness and his grace. You're trying to create your own way of alakazam. I made it happen. I personally found my own witchcraft in order to be able to, to save my own self because I did the thing. Now, if we do a sock drive, give a thousand pair of socks. I'm perfectly fine. Give money. Do all that. But what I want you to understand is, is the moment that you're about to do it, that's when you know the heart of the something. Just like we talked about the other day with, uh, you know, with Eve. The moment Eve said that the food was good, that the, that the fruit of the tree of the good and evil was good to eat, it wasn't the moment she put it in her mouth. The moment she quit trusting God was the moment she said, what God said is not true. I, I know, there's a, I just said a mouthful. You guys are going to have to chew on that a while. Believe me. Hey, come to me later and go, I don't, I don't agree with that. And I'll, we'll go through the concordance. I'll show you exactly where I found this stuff. But see, we tend to want to make things about some sort of a, there's a guy in a cape and he's over there and he's got his little wand and, and he's doing his thing and that's sorcery. Well, there are people out there that they try to do incantations and they're trying to conjure spirits and stuff like that. Absolutely. But they're still in the same boat as people who are trying, they're just trying to do it on their own. They're trying to create an opportunity for themselves that goes beyond God. So you can have it on the evil side where it's like, I'm against God. And you can also have it where it's like, I love God and I want to do the best for God. And every single thing that's on the inside of me, I just hope God is happy with me. Guess what? There's nothing that I can say or do, but I'm going to tell you right now, God loves you. He's happy with you. He loves you. He thinks you're great. He wants to be with you. He's got your picture in his wallet. When God flips his wallet out, he goes, Woo, look at Vicky. I want to show everybody. Come here, angels. Come here. I want to show y'all a picture of Vicky. That's what I want to do. I want to show a picture of Amy to, to everybody. Do you guys, you know, I want, I want to show a picture of Ina and Robert to, to everybody because you know what? That's who God is. That's what he is trying to do is he's trying to get the goodness to stick on the inside of you. And the more I look at the world, the more I go, Oh my gosh, I'm so far away from God. See, I'm trying to move you back over here and say, put your mind, your will, and your emotions back on the Spirit of God and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I feel like I'm just missing it. I feel like I can't get the right amount of words out in order for it to connect all together. So I apologize. We're going to keep talking about it. I feel like that maybe I'm talking too fast. Maybe I'm not saying the right things, but I'm trying my best to make sure that you understand that God has the goodness for you. If you just take away that, then we've won today, okay? That he's not trying to get you to do more. He's trying to let you know that he loves you.
So you know what? I'm going to move on to the next slide because I think this right here will tie some of it up. Giving you all a minute to, I know some of the words may be small, so I'll kind of go through it. Everything over there on the left side, we have the body, flesh, we have the carnalness. You know, carnal just means meat. You know, uh, my grandfather, he sold meat like my dad did. And he sold it for Ziggler's. And do y'all remember, you remember Matt, chili con carne? You remember Carol? Chili brick had a layer of fat that was at least nine inches on that sucker over the top of it. But you basically bought a big red tub of meat that was already seasoned. And you dumped that thing in there. And you added some water and you had chili within minutes. Right? But it had some guy in a big sombrero and, a, you know, had the thing and it was like chili con carne on there. I guess it was supposed to be Mexican, but it was actually Chili's Southwestern. I'm not really sure what they were going for there. But essentially, carnalness just means your meat. It's this thing right here. It's this flesh. It's your meatiness. Oh, I, I, I'm able to touch people. I'm able to see people with my eye. I can smell. I can talk to people. I can hear people. That's, my, that's, that's the carnality of life. See, what I want you to understand is that when I walk in the flesh, that means that I have elevated my mind, my will, and my emotions, this bubble of my mind, will, and emotions towards walking in the flesh, which is adultery, fornication, unclean acts, lasciviousness, which is lustful thinking, idolatry, which is thinking God is not good, having a different thought about who God is, having wrath and hatred, strife, contention, sedition, which is just disunion. You know, there's plenty of people that... There's a difference between sedition and and all this and and actually just moving on you know there's plenty of people that i used to do ministry with that i'm friends with that they live in a different place and they're doing everything you know i'm not in disunion with them anymore i'm just not in the same place they are but i need to understand that just because i'm not with them you know you know, I know this probably doesn't make sense to some of you, but for some reason, and I don't know why, I see people that we used to go to church with. Now, this doesn't happen with people that I work with. I don't know. They'll come up and talk to me. But people I used to go to church with or whatever, you'll be in the store or you'll go to a mall and you'll see them and they go. It's a little bit like my neighbor that lives next to, door to me. He just, if he's in the front yard, he'll throw something down and he'll run. Ah! I can't talk to you. But see, that's disunion. See, it's jealousy. See, that's why I put some of these together is disunion usually comes from a heart of jealousy. You didn't stay with me. You didn't do the same things as me. You didn't act the same way. But see, people you have union with, you can be a thousand miles away, 4,000 miles away, 5,000 miles away, and you can still be in union. I know my brother-in-law, Andrew Gullion. He's the one that actually helped me to get to the place that I'm at today. And all he did was just give me an idea about 
a direction to go. Hey, have you heard about Andrew Womack? Have you heard about this? Have you heard about that? He actually pushed me in a direction and I started going, I need to know more about certain things. I'm connected to Andrew forever because of some of the things that he has talked to me about. Andrew was one of the first people who started me on my mission and in my ministry. I truly believe that. See, but he lives in Texas. I'm never in disunion with him. In fact, I'm going to go see him this summer. We're going to go, you know, go somewhere in a beach and I'm going to burn. Um, but because <laughs> I'm white, okay? Long suffering. <laughs> uh, but you have envy and murder and reveling which is like rioting and carousing. You have drunkenness, which is a lack of sober-mindedness. You know what? You can be drunk and never have taken a drop of alcohol. I've known some people that have gotten so whipped up in their emotions that they're drunk off of whatever the problem is. That they're so... Ah. Kaylee was telling me about a lady that works with them. They were, they'd had a bunch of COVID, people get covid and they were talking about how there was all this COVID and everything happening. And this woman, um, this woman starts just going nuts on them. I think this was actually at TJ Maxx, so you might even know this, <laughs> this lady. But she starts going, oh, my God, we're going to shut down and I'm not going to have any more money. And I'm going to have to, like, sell my car and my house. And, I mean, just going off. And Kaylee says, I'm just standing there. And she's like, where's this lady coming from? It's like all the manager did was just say, wear your mask, be careful. And then she took the emotional roller coaster, and now she's not sober-minded. She couldn't think straight. She's asking Kaylee, are you not worried? Your wedding's going to be ruined because of COVID. And Kaylee's going, I'm getting married in October. Well, she just goes, well, you just need to, you, you just need to like elope right now, not even get people around each other. You know, this is the thing. I can become so incensed by something that I can become, I can become drunk with power. I can become drunk with, with narcissistic thinking. I can become, I can become so drunk on fear. That I can't think straight. And you know what? We have to look at this and say, are we walking in the flesh in this area? It's a, it's a key indicator if you just keep saying crazy stuff and people are giving you this look like this. Like, what are you doing? I mean, if you hear somebody go, what are you doing? You know you're walking in the flesh, okay? If people go, what, what just happened? That's a key indicator to go, wait a minute, I may be walking in the flesh, I'm not thinking through this. I've been there. I've been on that side of it where there's a part of me that's gotten so afraid that I said, it's the end, we're done. And then usually I have Heather go, no, you're still going to go to work and you're still going to pay the bills and you're still going to go. You're not going to just sleep and stay around all day. 
even though a lot of times now because I work from home, I'm in my pajamas most of the day. But that's a different story altogether. We won't go into that. But being drunk on power, fear, or anything else means that I can't think clearly. Witchcraft, man, it's just, I mean, I've even, I even look at witchcraft as I'm taking drugs. Now, you may think, well, am I smoking a doobie or am I hitting the crack cocaine or what, what are you talking about, Dusty? Anything, and I mean, hey, I look at it like this. I've had the doctor walk up and go, I need to put you on this medicine, this medicine, and this medicine. And I go, why? Well, I think it would be good to, for you to take it pre-whatever. And I go, you mean I don't need the medicine? And he's like, well, you know, you, you could use it. And I go, but do I need it? And he goes, no, no, you don't need it. I just want to go ahead and put you on it. And I go, no. That's witchcraft. That's, I'm trying to find the silver bullet, Alakazam, to prevent something from happening to me. Do you know that, and if somebody's doing that, I'm not against that and God's not against you. But what I want you to understand is that how many people have seen people that are so overly medicated? They're taking like 15, 20 medications. They can't go to sleep without medication. They can't get up without medication. They can't go to the bathroom without medication. Somebody has waved the wand of Harry Potter over them and said, Alakazam, stupefy. Now you may think, well, Dusty, you're making fun of all this. No, I'm not making fun of it at all because I've seen people who have been harmed because of this. I've seen people that have gotten on narcotics that was over the counter. And you know what? Because of that, it could ruin their lives. It could make it to where they can't work. It could make it to where, hey, you know, I can get, you know, I could have gotten by before. Now I just have to stay in bed. You know what? I'd rather die later on in life than take something that makes me less of who I am right now. Because guess what? There is life to live as long as I'm above the ground. There's life to live as long as I'm breathing in and out. There's stuff going on. By the way, if I'm laying in bed and, I, and there's nothing going on up here, take me out. Pray in the name of Jesus I wake up so I can take myself out. Because I'm not there. We need to be in a place to where we say, I want to live my life and I want to live it the way God wants me to live it. Not based upon, I got to take this drug and I got to take that drug and that drug causes me this different problems. We actually had a family member that was taking so many drugs that they couldn't even function. But then you started removing some of the drugs. Now they can function. You know, doctors are practicing medicine. That means that they practice on you. They go, well, let's see. Uh, you could take a little bit of this, and you could take a little bit of that, and you could do a little bit of this, and you could do a little bit of that. Well, you know what? That's, that's not knowing. That's practicing. So sometimes you need to go, wait a minute, let's talk about this. 
before you put me on this, this thing that is going to cause, you know, if you've got a rash on your skin and they give you something that gives you explosive diarrhea, you've got another problem that's worse than the rash that's on your skin. I've been watching some YouTube videos and the moment that they, you know, it comes to the ad, it's always a drug company. And the thing is, it's like, hey, go for this Zimproper, blah, blah, blah. And it, it'll take the rash off your skin. And you go, side effects may even include explosive diarrhea. It may cause you to bleed from your nose. It may cause your eyes to roll into the back of your head. You might actually die. And you're going, I think I can scratch a little bit. And be okay. See, what I want you to understand is that anything that is trying to take your life from you, don't let it. Heresies. You know, I always think, you know, a heresy just means that I'm not in union. Whenever somebody would say heresy, back in, you're a heresy. It means that you didn't think the same way that they thought. You know, I've been called a heresy. Because I went to Karis Bible College. I was, I was a, a heretic because I didn't follow the same teaching as maybe somebody else did. I got news for you. I've not ran into too many Christians that we can't agree on a lot of things. There's a few areas where I might find some of my Baptist brethren that's on the front row. See, y'all are good Baptists because y'all are not on the back row. I mean, you know, that's the thing is most of the time I find Baptists, you know, they're going to be on the back row. Now, Dad, he's, he's holding it down, him and Carol, for us back there. But, but what I'm trying to say is, is that we can sit down and have a conversation, and we're going to agree mostly. We may have some discussions about Pentecost and about the book of Acts and about some of the other things that you may be sitting there going, I don't understand it, or, nor do I even care to know about it. And I'm sitting there going, that's fine. Do you believe in Jesus? Absolutely. Then we're brothers and sisters. We're not in a heretical relationship. Just because I didn't go to XYZ Bible school or I didn't have these certain people that I would dealt with doesn't make people heretics. Okay, I spent a lot of time on the flesh. But these are the things that you have to understand is that what you see, hear, taste, smell, and feel, those are the things that are going to make you walk in the flesh. But this last part, walking in the Spirit, because it says here in verse 21 and verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. I love this part, and it says, And who are Christ have crucified in the flesh with its passion and desire? If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us also become uh, conceited, let us not become conceited, provoked, provoking one another and envying one another. See, what I want you to understand is, is that when I walk in the Spirit, now the fruits of the Spirit, they just start blo- blossoming. See, I have, a, I have a belief system. Some, not, some people might say it's heretical. I believe that there is the tree of love. And off of love, so you have the spirit is the root. And the tree is love. And the fruits of the spirit are joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meat, temperance. See, out of love, everything else comes. Out of love, everything else has.
its place. See, that's what I want you to understand is that when I elevate my mind, my will, and my emotions towards love, see, I'm not walking in some law. We don't have to create an opportunity for us to, to say, well, here's my boundary. See, if I, if I live in love, then me and you get to live together in harmony. Because if you live in love and I live in love, we're not stepping on each other. I got news for you. The Holy Spirit himself, the promise, if I start to step over your line, the Holy Spirit says, you might want to ask him, can you step over the line? You know, there's been plenty of times where I've walked into places and the Holy Spirit said, don't talk about this. Here's a subject, stay away from it. And you know what? That's why the promise of the Holy Spirit is there so he can teach you all things. See, it's not just, here's the words that Jesus told me. It's also, I'm walking, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm standing over here, and, and I'm having a conversation with somebody, and I go, wait a minute. Maybe I don't need to talk about Alabama football because they're an Auburn person. Do You know, I've actually, and I know that sounds funny, and everybody, ha-ha, Alabama, Auburn. But, you know, I've actually lost relationships with people because I followed Alabama football and not Auburn football. There's a guy we went to church with. He could not watch a ball game with you. If Auburn was on, he could not be around anybody. And if Auburn lost, oh, it was bad. And you know what? There was times where we didn't see him for months because it was that bad. And you know what? That's what we have to understand is that there are some things I just go, you know what? I can poke and I can poke fun at people about certain things and then they like it. But you know, the Holy Spirit also tells me, don't do that to them. You're going to lose them. And you're not going to have love with them. So I gave you a model. I gave you something to look at here. I want you to chew on this. I want this to be something that you guys walk away from because I want you to elevate. And we're going to talk more about this. There's a couple more teachings that the Lord's put on my heart that we're going to have some more in-depth conversations about. But I want you to be, I want you to be involved every single day of looking where is my mind, my will, and my emotions. Am I directly focused on these things that are over here? Do I have people going, you might want to chill out just a little bit. Oh, maybe I'm walking in the flesh too much. See, that's the beauty of it is the Spirit's always there going, hey, Dusty, come back. Hey, Dusty, start putting your mind, your will, and your emotions over here. We're going to talk about this later, but your emotions are a catalyst. You can become drunk in your emotions and fear and in strife and all that and be like, by God, they can't tell me anything. And then they don't. And nobody can. And now you lose everybody because they're like, that dude's toxic. And see, that's what the spirit is there for is to go, let's back away from that and come back over here to the love, joy, peace side of things. Amen. I hope you learned something today. I'm going to pray over us. I'm going to pray that the Lord just keeps revealing this in each and every person's uh, mind and in their heart. Everybody close your eyes. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. We just thank you, Father, that you are creating an opportunity for everyone to see 
where their mind, will, and emotions are? Are they focusing specifically on the things of the flesh? Or are they focusing on the things of the Lord? Are they in love and peace and long-suffering? Are they living in the faith of God? Are they living in the fear of the world? And Father, I just pray right now that you are revealing this. You're opening their minds to this. You're giving them more insight. That Holy Spirit, you're the best teacher. Just continue to teach them throughout the week. Because the things I couldn't get out of my mouth, you're going to reveal to them. And I just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're blessed. Amen.